Romans chapter 13 is where we are in our study of the most important book ever written. That's how we introduced our study to the book of Romans. And we are now in the practical part of the book of Romans, as it is called, where the doctrine of the gospel, the doctrine of of God's election, the Son's redemption in his blood, and the Holy Spirit's work in our life has all been laid out in the opening 11 chapters. And then starting in chapter 12, going to the end of the book, Paul addresses what does it look like then to live the Christian life now that we've been born again, now that we've been justified, now that we have peace with God, now that we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, what does it look like to live a redeemed life? Chapter 12 had wonderful instruction on our life together as a congregation, and now we move into chapter 13 where the focus changes here at the beginning of the chapter to our relationship to the authorities, the governing authorities in our world. And so, I'd like to start off with this thought. We are called to be the best citizens this nation has ever seen. Let me say that again. We are called to be the best citizens that this nation has ever seen. The best citizens in God's eyes. That's what Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7 is really all about. That's our thesis statement for today. Now, We live in a time where new questions have arisen or old questions are being asked again, if you want to think of it that way. But in our circles, new questions are arising in light of issues of globalism, in light of issues of LGBTQ and and gender theory, in light of issues of socialism, or in light of the pandemic. These are all very interesting and much discussed and strongly, well, there's strong feelings, let me say, about these issues. But before we get into any of the issues, and let's lay the groundwork, let's get our baseline before we start to deal with some of the what-ifs and the questions, and the baseline is very clear. Follow along in your Bibles, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore... Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Now, if I asked you to talk with me about what your feelings were about that passage as we read it, we might have some mixed feelings about the passage this morning. And that doesn't show us anything wrong with the Word of God, but it does sometimes give us an indication of of perhaps there's something wrong with me. Feelings can be a good indicator. And as I've been reminded of what Romans chapter 13 says this morning, I want to make it clear that this passage is a very strongly worded 
intentionally on Paul's part, exhortation to submit to all governing authority, without exception. Did you hear that? This passage is a very strongly worded warning from the Apostle Paul, it's the Word of God, to submit from the heart to every human authority. This passage is written to the church at Rome. Rome was the center of the empire. I don't think it's by coincidence, mere coincidence, that this passage on the Christian's relationship to the governing authorities, the most important one in the New Testament, although there are others that we will look at if we have time this morning, that it was written to the church that is there at the center of the government of the world in Paul's day. A government that was not a Christian government. A government that was, at times, very hostile to Christians. And we look at the life of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, we find that the men that God chose, notice this, the men that God chose to write these strongly worded exhortations to submit to, to respect, to honor the governing authorities, would have their own lives snuffed out unjustly by those rulers. Don't think lightly of the Word of God. We have sometimes a tendency to look at the Word of God from human eyes, from human perspective, and we think, well, if Paul would have known that Nero was going to turn on the Christians, if Paul would have known that Nero was going to unjustly blame the Christians and they were going to become the scapegoat for all of his own foibles and all of his own foolishness, and that Paul himself was going to be beheaded by Rome, he wouldn't have written it this way, right? No, he would have. He would have. This is not a human book. This is not just, oh, oops, I didn't know that Rome was going to be so evil. I would have wrote it differently if I would have known. No, don't read it that way. That's reading it without belief. That's reading it without faith. That's reading it as if it's not the inspired word of God. It is the inspired word of God. And God chose Paul and God chose Peter to write this exhortation to us to honor and respect our governing authorities, and that those men who wrote it would themselves be cruelly and unjustly, judicially executed by those authorities. Is God speaking to you? Let's dig into the details here. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Notice he says, every person, literally every soul, so he says, you are not the exception here. You don't get to say, well, most people should submit to the government, but me, you know, I'm a Christian. I have wisdom. I know right from wrong, and, and I'm ruled by the law of God in my heart. And so, yeah, most people, they need to submit to the government because God gave the government to restrain evil, but I'm not evil. I'm going to do what's good from the heart because I love God, so, so I don't have to submit to the government. The government is there to restrain the criminals and the evildoers. I'm not a criminal and an evildoer. I'm a Christian who loves my neighbor and does what's right. So if I think that I know better than the government, then I can do what I think and I know is better than the government because I'm doing what's good and right. That's not what it says. It doesn't say, be in subjection to the government unless you know better. Be in subjection to the government unless you are more virtuous than the government. It doesn't say that. Let every soul, every soul, be in subjection to the governing authorities. To be subject to the governing authorities, what does that mean? It means you follow rank. Men, can I speak to you about following rank? If you've been in the military, if you've been in business, if you've been 
anywhere where there is an authority structure, then you know the importance of following rank. Organizations do not work if there is no chain of authority, no chain of command. How does a military function if every soldier gets to decide what they think is the best thing to do? They say, no, I don't think we should invade. Yes, I do think we should invade. No, I don't think we should defend ourselves. Yes, I do think we should defend ourselves. A military only functions when people are following rank. Men, do you want your wives to follow your rank? God creates order within the household. This word for submit is the word that is used of a wife submitting to her husband. Do you demonstrate to your wife the kind of submission to the authorities in your life that you expect your wife to demonstrate towards your authority? Paul repeats the command to be subject to the authorities in verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection. This repetition of the command before and after the explanation just drives home the importance of this essential command. God has a very concise manner of dealing with subjects because there's so many subjects that the Word of God dealt with. You could write a whole book on the Christian's relationship to the government on what it means to be a good citizen, but then you'd have a whole library of books this size instead of just being able to carry it around in your hand. So if you want to be able to carry the Word of God around in your hand, it's got to be concise and to the point. And so when God gets to the point and he puts his finger on the most important issue in our relationship to the government, he says, follow rank. Follow rank. Submit to the authority structure. Why? Because, Paul says, for. The word for, an explanatory word, an explanatory conjunction that tells us the reason for the command that he has just given. And the reason is this. There is no authority except from God. That's quite a statement. That is quite a statement. Think about some of the authorities that are in this world. We're thinking about Russia this week. There is no authority except from God. Putin? He's got his authority from God? Yes. Putin has his authority from God to make the decisions that he thinks are the best decisions for his nation. He's been appointed to that authority. What about China? The Chinese communists? Have you heard about what they're doing to the Uyghurs? Is their authority from God? Yes. The Chinese communists have authority from God to govern their country. What about Cuba? What about North Korea? What about Washington, D.C.? Authority given to them by God in order to rule their nations. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist, you say, well, how do we know whether or not the authority is from God? How do we know whether it's a properly constituted authority? The Bible answers that. Does it exist? Then it's from God. If it exists, then it's from God. That's what Romans 13 says. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, if that is true, and it is, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. The command of God the appointment of God. That's what we resist when we decide, I don't have to follow rank. I don't have to do what the authorities say. I don't have to respect their authority. I don't have to submit to their commands. You are not rebelling against man when you do that. You are rebelling against God. 
That's what the Word of God says. You might not like it. You might say, Timothy, you're, you're not looking at it with nuance. You're not reading it the way it's supposed to be read. It's right there. You can read it yourself. You don't need me to read it. Those that exist are established by God. Which authority is valid? The ones that exist. What about unconstitutional actions? What about this? What about that? Well, you can bring your whatabouts to the Q&A tonight. And you might say, well, it seems chaotic. You know, do I obey the federal government? Do I obey the state government? Do I obey the local government? Uh, which one do I obey? Yes, you obey them all. What if, it's a, what if they're contradicting each other? Bring that question tonight. It'd be a long sermon if I got into all the what-ifs, right? We're establishing the baseline. We're establishing what does the Word of God clearly say. That's what this sermon is about. Look at verse 2. Whoever resists, resists what God has appointed. That word resist, it's the opposite of the word to submit. You can submit to the authorities or you can resist the authorities. We've got a police officer here this morning. He knows the difference between when somebody is submitting to his authority and when someone is resisting his authority. Stop resisting. And then he won't have to use the sword. Stop resisting. You submit. The word for submit is hupotasso. It means you are arranging yourself underneath an authority. You're following rank. Yes, sir. Police officer pulls you over. You say, yes, sir. You don't sass. You don't disrespect. You show honor to the men in blue. The opposite is antitasamanos. Instead of submitting yourself under an authority, you are opposing, you are against an authority. And when you fight against an authority, God says you will get what you deserve. You fight against an authority, you're going to get judgment because you have rebelled against God's command. And God has appointed the penalty for going against God's command, and that is the judgment, the incurring of judgment there at the end of verse 2. Now, in verses 3 and 4, Paul goes on and explains the purpose for human government. You see that on our outline this morning. We're talking about good citizenship. You see the strength of the exhortation in verses 1 and 2. And I hope that I've been able to convey the strength of Paul's exhortation because I've been reading it and rereading it. I'm reading it in English. I'm reading it in the Greek. And it's strong. I don't say, well, what do I think is going to preach well? What do I think is going to be interesting or shocking or entertaining? That's not my purpose here. My purpose here is to say, this is what God's Word says, and I want to convey God's Word with the strength with which God's Word says it. And when I read it, it's a strong statement in the Greek, and I think even in the English it's a little weaker. When I read it in the Greek, it's like, man, he's really nailing this point. And so he goes on and explains in verses 3 and 4 the purpose of government. Now another explanatory word for starts off verse 3, where he says, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword, or the gun in our case, in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So if you're going to summarize the purpose of government in verses 3 and 4, what is it? Praise those who do good. 
punish those who do evil. That's exactly how Peter also summarizes the purpose of human authority, human government. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 14, let me just read it for you. 1 Peter 2.14 says, Government is established to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. The stick and the carrot, right? So you, you have the stick to punish those who are doing evil and you've got the carrot to encourage those who are doing good. That's what government is in the world to do. Punish evil, reward good. Now, do you think government always does its job perfectly? Raise your hand if you think government always does its job perfectly. <laughs> do parents always do their job perfectly? Do pastors always do their job perfectly? Are you supposed to obey your parents? Are you supposed to honor your parents? Are you supposed to submit to your pastors and follow their rule? Yeah, the government's not going to be perfect. But it is an authority established by God, and it has a purpose. The purpose of government to restrain evil and to praise good, to punish the evil... Think about how much your life has been benefited by this gift of God to you. What would your life be like if God had not instituted human government? You don't have to use unaided imagination. You can go back to the scripture and find out the answer to that. What would your life look like without the men in blue? What would your life look like without Washington, D.C. and a standing army? Well, you'd probably have nothing, and you'd probably be dead. You'd probably have nothing, and you'd probably be dead. Because if you go back and you read in the Bible about what life was like before God instituted human government as a divine gift to humanity before the flood. When every man was doing what was right in his own eyes, there was no central authority. The earth was filled with violence. What is keeping evil people, and I tell you, the Bible makes it pretty clear, people are evil. What is keeping evil people from killing you and taking your stuff? Human government. Human government is what is keeping people from killing you and taking your stuff. Why don't we have just gang warfare going on all around us all the time? Because God has given you a gift of social order and social stability. And he has devoted people to the very task of keeping social order and keeping social stability. And you owe everything you have to that gift. Everything in this life. Everything in this world. That's the reason why we honor human government. That's the reason why we respect human government. He is God's servant to you, is what the Word of God says in verse 4. You know the word servant there is the word for deacon. You know there's not just deacons in church, there's deacons out there. And all of the government officials, and there's a lot of them, maybe more than would be needed, all those government officials are deacons of God to you. Servants. Paul is very explicit in his language here. It's, it's redundant, it's repetitive, because he's making such a strong point. And he doesn't just call him a deacon in verse 4, but you come down a little bit later and notice verse 6. I'm jumping ahead, but just notice this one word in verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God. The authorities are ministers of God. Do you know what the word minister there is? It's the word liturgos, which talks about a liturgy. This is a holy service performed for God. The Roman government? Nero in Rome? 
a liturgos of God? Performing priestly service, holy service in God's world by God's direction? Yes. The worst rulers in the world in history, the worst rulers in the world today, are set up by God. They say, well, what if they're doing a lousy job? What if they're wrecking the system instead of building the system? What if the people that were before them were a lot better than them and they're just making things worse? What if it's, it's just the system that is good, but they're undermining that system and they're really detrimental to the system? What then? God appointed them to do a bad job as a judgment upon this nation for rejecting God. Every ruler, every authority, will give an account of his work or her work to God. They will are responsible for how they carry out this ministry. Are there churches that have terrible pastors? Yes. And they will be given an account to God for that. Are there cities that have terrible mayors? Yes. They will give an account to God for that. But, if you are a part of their city, you pay your taxes, you speak evil of no one, you honor them as servants and deacons of God. Very important to keep this perspective. The Word of God tells us what we need to hear because the Word of God knows what our temptations are going to be. We're going to be tempted to be critical. We're going to be tempted to be unsubmissive. We're going to be tempted to look down on and blaspheme our rulers. And the Bible says, don't do that. Hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. You will give an account for every word that comes out of your mouth as well. You're not responsible for the bad decisions of a city council. You are responsible for your own actions, your own obedience to God's word. So the government's role is to punish evil and praise good. I think we can all agree on that, right? It is ironic that the Roman Empire under which Paul wrote this became a great persecutor of Christians and that Peter and Paul themselves would be put to death by the Roman sword. But that was not something that God was surprised by. Not something that he was unaware of when he wrote this. And God did write this. God wrote this. When Jesus was unjustly arrested for evil reasons. His disciples pulled out a sword to defend him. And what did Jesus say? Put your sword away. Don't strike violently at the authority when he comes to arrest you for being a Christian. Don't strike violently with your actions and don't strike with your words. If a man comes to arrest me for breaking some law that by my conscience I must break, I do not blaspheme him, I do not call him a Nazi, I do not say anything rude to that officer. I respect him as an officer of the law. And I go and take whatever punishment I'm supposed to take for being unable to comply with an evil order, with respect towards every authority.
So, let's talk a little bit about civil disobedience. You might be thinking, when's he going to talk about Acts chapter 5, verse 29? We must obey God rather than men. When's he going to talk about Daniel chapter 3? We will not bow down to your golden image. When's he going to talk about the Hebrew midwives in Egypt who would not kill the male children, but instead told a lie to the governing authorities and said, the women give birth before we can get there. When's Timothy going to talk about the people stepping in and stopping Saul from putting Jonathan to death for a foolish order that Saul had made? Or about Obadiah hiding the prophets during the reign of Jezebel? When's Timothy going to mention the preservation of the child during Athaliah's bloodbath and putting to death David's descendants? Well, those aren't my texts. Romans 13 is my text. Now, we're thankful that Romans 13 is not the only text in the Bible on this subject and that God has given us a lot of examples of the right time and the right way. Notice that. Not just the right time, but also the right way when you disobey an evil order. Yes, there are times where you will not submit to an evil order. But when you do not submit to an evil order, you are not overthrowing the authority that you are not obeying You're not challenging their authority. You're not saying, you have no right to rule because you're evil. You say, God appointed you, your order is evil, and I'm willing to suffer in the plan of God while respecting your authority. That's the right way to carry out civil disobedience. The early Christians could not burn incense to Caesar, but they prayed for Caesar. They submitted to Caesar. There is a right way to not comply with an order or a law that is submit to the penalty. When you submit to the penalty of the law, you're still submitting to the law. I don't resist. Jesus did not resist submitting to the penalty of the law. The key is to keep a clear conscience before God and to inform your conscience with the word of God. That's what we're doing here this morning. We're informing our conscience with the Word of God so that when we find ourselves in a situation where we are given an order that we cannot in good conscience comply with, we will respect the authorities in such a way that brings glory to God. And when we stand before Jesus Christ as the final judge, the ultimate judge, the ruler of the kings of the earth, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I told you to do even to the point of death. Even to the point of death. He died for me, I'm going to die for him. I'll do what he says to the point of death. You will too. I know it, because you love him. Now, when he says that the government is God's deacon, God's servant for good, that's how you're supposed to look at all government officials. Some government officials are are easier to look at this way than others. The good police officer, you look at him and and we say, yeah, that is God's servant for good. The corrupt politician who's undermining the very foundations of our nation, we look at him and say, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, not God's servant for good. Wrong, wrong. No exceptions. So verses 5 and 7, moving to the third point on our outline, You submit and you pay your taxes. That's what it looks like to honor the authorities. That's what it looks like to have a Christian attitude towards our civil government. 
Two things Paul singles out in verses 5 through 7. Pay your taxes and submit to their laws, their rules, their instructions. Paul gives two reasons to obey the authorities here in verses 5 through 7, recapping what he's already said. He comes back, circles around to it, because this is the issue. This is the matter that is the baseline for our relationship. And when he says, therefore, one must be in subjection, he gives two reasons, not only to avoid God's wrath. Now, the word God there is an interpretive translation. In the original, it just says wrath. And so the translators of the ESV, they think that, well, wrath is normally talking about God's wrath. And in this context, we're talking about God appointing government. And so we're talking about God's wrath. I think that I'd like to just keep it general, as most other translations do, and just say avoiding wrath. And it's the, the wrath of God, I think there's an accurate you know, point there, but it's ministered through human government. So when he says, not just because of God's wrath, he's not talking about future judgment. He's not talking about eternal hell or loss of rewards or, or you know, when Jesus Christ comes back. No, when he's talking about because of wrath, he's talking about in context the wrath of God administered through government. And so you want to obey government in order to avoid their wrath, which is God's wrath against those who rebel against God's institution of government. Does that make sense? But the second reason, equally important, also for the sake of conscience. We don't obey government authorities just because we're afraid of the punishment they can inflict on us. We obey government for a higher reason, because of our beliefs, because of what we know is right, because we know what is God's will. And what is God's will? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Why is it good and acceptable and perfect for Christians to submit to evil rulers? How is that good? You have to think things through. Sometimes things that don't appear good, you haven't thought about the cost and the benefit. What is the cost of us having the privilege of deciding when we are more virtuous, when we are more wise, when we are more good, we don't have to obey the government? What's the cost of that position? Anarchy. If you get to decide, then other people get to decide. And if everyone gets to decide... I'm the one who determines what's right and wrong for me. I don't have to listen to what the government says. What you have is anarchy, an undermining of the very system that God has established in order to promote peace and security in the world. If the Roman government had not existed and there was anarchy in the world, you had just roaming tribes of gangs pillaging, looting, killing kind of like you have back in some periods in the Bible, like in Israel, there was no king in Israel, and they were invaded by this group and that group, and then this band of you know, pirates comes through and steals all their stuff, and, and you just got chaos. That's not a world where the gospel can go and spread. But the Pax Romana, the peace that God brought to the world at the time of Jesus Christ, the time of the apostles, built the Roman roads opened up the seaports, made it so that there was security, to a limited extent, not perfectly, where people could travel from one place to another and the gospel could go forth and churches could be established and people could raise families. All of that possible because of human government. And so, be careful that you are not tearing down 
with your actions and your attitudes and your words, the very institution that God has built for your good and for the growth of the gospel in the world. Amen? Be careful that we do not tear down the authority of human government. Be careful what you ask for. Anarchists who hate government think we'd be better off without all these leeches and their taxes and their unjust laws and their foolishness. Be careful what you ask for. You would not be better off in anarchy. Oh, but anarchy looks cool. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what submission does not mean. Okay? We are commanded to submit to the government, but submitting to the government does not mean that you are a yes man for the government. Submitting to the government does not mean that you are a sycophant. Sycophant's a good word. Let me give you the definition. A person who attempts to gain advantage by flattering influential people. There's a lot of sycophants in our nation today. But the government should be able to discern the difference between a Christian who loves them and prays for them and gives thanks to God for them and a Christian who just says, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir, can I have some more benefits, sir? I want to be on your side because I'm trying to advance my own purposes in the world. The government should be able to tell the difference between those who love God and fear God and do what the Scripture says and those who are bootlickers. There's a lot of bootlickers in the Christian church today. We have a duty to point out to authorities when they are acting unfairly and telling lies and abusing their power and we remind them of God's judgment. That's not what a sycophant does. When your husband is acting unfairly, telling lies and abusing his power, you have a duty as a wife to tell him and remind him of God's judgment. When a pastor is telling lies and abusing his congregation, the congregation has a duty to tell that pastor the truth about who he is and what he's doing. We do so as friends. We do so as ambassadors, not as belligerents. Is government education a bad idea? Yes. Is government health care a bad idea? Yes. Is secular humanism a bad idea? Yes. Is socialism a bad idea? Oh, yes. We can criticize all these things and still submit to the authority of our government. Also, being submissive to the government does not mean that you do not petition for your rights. You have the right to assert all of your legal prerogatives. The Apostle Paul demonstrated this for us beautifully in Acts chapter 22, verses 24 to 29. If we had time, I would take you there. Jot it down in your notes. Acts chapter 22, verses 24 to 29 is where Paul asserts his rights. God is the one who has established the authorities. If you want to appeal to the authority that has been established in order for your good and for the good of the gospel, do it. And if you want to change the system... If you want to change the laws, do it according to the law. Do it according to the system. Don't do it the way that the anarchists do it. Don't do it the way the socialists do it. Don't do it through the way the belligerents do it. 
Do it honorably. Do it righteously. Do it according to the authority that God has established. We can be thankful for the authority that God has established. The authority of our nation's laws. The authority of our nation's courts. That we have a place to appeal against unjust actions by government. Deal with injustice according to justice. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's hard. It takes patience. But what other work should we be involved with but good hard work? Now, what does it mean? Let's take a closer look at that again at verses 6 and 7. He says in verse 6, For because of this, you also pay taxes. You pay taxes. You pay taxes and you don't cheat. You pay taxes and you don't lie. Because we're Christians. This is always the way it's been with real Christians, true Christians. There's disturbing numbers of people who cheat on their income taxes. I hope that none of you are in that number. doesn't mean you have to not take what you are legally allowed to take for exemptions. doesn't mean you're not supposed to be wise in how you're paying taxes. You're not just handing over everything you have and say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm going to give all my money to the government. No. Follow the tax code. If they give you an opportunity legally to not pay taxes, we'll take that opportunity and use that money for something else. Because the government takes plenty of taxes. There's a really interesting passage in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. And I may have to preach it next week because I'd really like to get into it. And it's a great passage. We'll leave it out for this morning. But do you want to take a look at it this week? Look up Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. A great passage with a lot of interesting things also related to the subject of paying taxes. Now, you may not like everything that the government does with our tax money. Does the Bible say pay your taxes if you like what the government is going to do with the money? I don't see that. It says pay your taxes. Do you think the Christians liked everything that Rome did with their tax money? I don't think so. It costs money to run a police force. It costs money to have judges. It costs money in order to have an army. It costs money to run a country, to build roads and infrastructure. Pay your taxes. You might say, well, Paul seems to have an unrealistically high view of the virtue of government officials. This doesn't seem like Paul is really dealing with reality here when he says that you don't have any fear of authority if you do what's right, because it seems like in our society there's a lot of times where the people who are doing right, they're the ones that the government is punishing, and the ones who are doing wrong, those are the ones that the government is praising and patting on the back. It seems like Paul has an unrealistic view of human government here. The Bible is not ignorant of corruption in high office. The higher an office you get, the more corrupt it is, and the Bible talks about that all over the place. That doesn't negate what Paul is saying. It doesn't negate anything that Paul has said. The other things that we owe to the government besides tax and revenue, respect and honor. Respect and honor. Do the governing authorities that you interact with feel respected? The governing authorities that you interact with, do they feel respected? They better. Or you need some repenting. 
God has given us a lot of examples. Paul being arrested. Peter being arrested. Jesus being arrested. How did they conduct themselves? How did they address the court? How did they address the governor? How did they address the city official? Always respect. Not the bootlicker. Not the sycophant. You see some of that there in the book of Acts by the people who are accusing Paul. And the judge sitting on the chair, he could see the difference. These guys are bootlickers. This guy is devout. This guy is righteous. They could see the difference. We need to portray that same apostolic spirit, that same spirit of Christ. If they make a law that we can't comply with, and they come and enforce that law, we show all respect to those who come to enforce that law. You can always obey the scripture. There's never a time that God's going to put you in a situation where you have to disobey one of these commands. There's never a time God is going to put you into a situation where you have to disobey his command. You never have to do wrong in order to achieve some good end. You never have to do wrong in order to achieve some good end. And God will put you into situations where he'll test you. He'll test your commitment to him. He'll test your commitment to the truth. He'll test your commitment to righteousness. And you'll be sorely tempted say, well, I've got to do what's wrong here in order for some greater good. Don't believe it. That's Satan's lie. You never have to do what's wrong. You never have to disobey Scripture. Trust God that when you do what's right, He will bring forth your righteousness like the dawn. Even as God vindicated the Lord Jesus Christ and he is King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who was condemned, the one who was crucified, the one who was humiliated and beaten, that if you act like Christ, God will reward you. You don't have to defend yourself. You just have to do what God tells you to. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord God, as we live in a world full of slander against Christians and we live in a world where there are many Christians who are not acting like Christians. We ask you for grace, strength, courage, and wisdom to be like Christ in all aspects. That this church and its congregants might grow up in every respect into the maturity of Christ himself. And that we might have a light that is shining brightly in the world for all to see. Amen.